0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: Your Locked On Senators. Your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
2: I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators
0: Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you are listening to the Locked On Senators podcast.
2: Welcome inside episode 319 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices—all the parts your car will ever need. Visit RockAuto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Well, our one day as Vancouver Canucks fans went terribly, but the regular season has now concluded. The Senators know exactly how their odds stack up going into the lottery on June 2nd. We'll break that all down for you. And our first official Tankathon spin. We also have Eugene Melnick on Bob McCowan's podcast. Classic going on a Toronto-based sports talk show, but we got lots of info from it. Some might be posturing, but we'll have a full breakdown of that. We also have our Sen Central citizen, Dylan Cole, joins us before we preview Belleville's final game and wrap up what extended their win streak to a franchise record eighth straight game. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. Today is Thursday, May 20th, and Pillsy. The Ottawa Senators know exactly how they stack up going into the lottery. What's your prediction?
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Unfortunately, Vancouver Canucks did not get it done in the final game of the season. They lost 6-2 to the Calgary Flames. Uh, Now we know the lottery odds. It looks like there is a possibility that the Sens could finish outside of the top 10 now, which is unfortunate. But who knows with the way the lottery balls bounce, uh, how this could end up. My official prediction, Ross, I think the Sens are probably going to stay right where they are, that 10th spot. And you know what? That's all right. This is a year where we can afford to uh, be in that 10th spot. And it's a lot of interesting guys around that area. We talked to Tony Ferrari. Go check out that podcast interview if you haven't already. And we're going to be ramping up our prospect update profiles here. So we're going to be following along and seeing who is the correct guy to look at in that area. But depending on the way the balls bounce, this team could either select first or second overall.
2: Yeah, you went with the odds there at 10th at 72.4%. That's their most likely place to draft. They have a 3.5% chance at first overall and a 3.8% chance drafting second. So the outside possibility is that they draft outside of the top 10, 19.4%. They draft 11th and there's about a 1% chance that two teams behind them win the lottery. I mean, the Rangers have a 0.8% chance, but you know, with their history, they're probably going to get first overall anyways. So if that's the case, uh, Ottawa could draft 12th, a 1% chance of that. But spin zone, Pilsy, with Vancouver losing their season finale, the Ottawa Senators do not, I repeat, do not finish last in their division. You love to hear that. I mean, let's get that banner raised to the
0: rafter here sixth in the North division in a shortened season, but that is, that is something, you know, like we talked about at the start of this season, I think every single analyst hockey person fan had the senators finished in seventh in this division. And honestly, remember there was, I think there was one prediction that had the senators winning 12 games all season. That was just absolute garbage. So, Really, this is a nice boost for the team. They didn't finish in last or second last in the league, and they weren't last in their division. That's a big boost for a team that has been in the basement of the league and the division for the past three years.
2: Slipping down to 10th spot, so finishing 23rd in the National Hockey League is also a little bit easier to swallow when you get two second-round picks. They're going to draft 39th overall with San Jose's pick and 42nd. With their own. What is a bit of a kick in the behind is how they traded away what would have been the 37th overall pick for Derek Stepan. But that's a story for another day. However, it was something that was kind of hinted at uh, when Eugene Melnick joined Bob McCowan uh, on his podcast with John Shannon, our former teacher at the College of Sports Media. What was your main takeaway from that Melnick appearance?
0: Well, I think the main takeaway is that at least Melnick is getting better with these appearances. Low they're, bar. They're, yeah, exactly. They're few and far between and only with Bob McCowan. Uh, not great for, for us listeners, but we'll take it any way we can get it. And he's actually, most of the things he's saying, you can at least take into consideration and understand his point of view still. Some of the stuff he says is is wild and he has his way about him as we all know Melnick does. But I think at least he was in a state where everything he's saying makes sense. Like nothing was absolutely galaxy brain or crazy and you could follow along with him. And he seemed like he was in a really good mood talking with these guys. He didn't kind of snarl at any of their, their tough questions or things that were triggering for him. So overall I think the biggest takeaway is that finally we're getting some actual information from Melnick
2: here. For me, the most outlandish thing he said was, I don't like to say I told you so, but I told you so, to a team that just finished 23rd out of 31 teams. Like, what is he bragging about already? Yes, the pieces are in place. It's looking like it could be good. But wouldn't you save the I told you so's for when you finish more than one point out of last place in your division?
0: Yeah, that's probably uh, you save that I told you so for at least when you make the playoffs, like maybe dial it back a bit bit there. But I mean, I think all sense fans and us included can share in his optimism, like definitely the rebuild is working and it's on the right tracks like we've seen what can happen with nasty real rebuilds. I mean, just go across the border to Buffalo. That rebuild's been going on for a lifetime, it seems like, and things can go wrong. So he has a point, and this is what I'm saying, like sure it's an outlandish thing to say, but he has a point that the rebuild is on track and they have done it the right way.
2: Yeah, there's a few other notes that I want to hit on with regards to that. We also got into the potential Brady Kachuk, whether it's a bridge contract long-term and how that plays in. To the captaincy. But what did you think of him praising Lou Lamorello's archaic rules? Like, we know that Lou in New York and previously in Toronto and previously, probably most notably in New Jersey, no facial hair, like basically no personality. And it seemed like he thought DJ Smith was a very similar guy saying no funny hats in the locker room, which I think was a jab at uh, Eric Carlson. Uh, more than anything, he also mentioned a previous captain who thought only about offense who and his nowhere near the organization. Many thought he was talking about Alfie, but I thought he was also talking about Eric Carlson with that one I thought he might have been talking about Spezza there. Yeah, fair. Him saying, we're not going to have a captain on a bridge
0: deal. Right away, that kind of rings alarm bells. But it makes sense. Like, why are you going to name a captain of this team if you're not sure how long they're going stick, to stick around? And if you're not sure if they're fully committed to this team. And I think really what that's saying is, it seems like the captaincy is teetering on the Brady Kachuk contract here.
2: But if you're Thomas Shabbat, isn't that a bit of like a, a slap in the face that like you're the backup plan if Brady doesn't sign long-term? Just yes, because by default, you're here longer. Yeah, yeah. but uh, hey, King Clancy nominee, Ross. Ah, uh, well, Brady was it last year for Ottawa. So that, that doesn't play into my thought process. Where it does though, is this is Brady's team. You ask any guy in the locker room, they'll tell you, who, who the leader of this team Or even team outside is. the locker room. Yeah, we see it on the ice every single night. He brings so many elements to his game and his leadership style, speaking to the media. Now, I understand that Ottawa is a bilingual city. It'd be nice to have Thomas Chabot as a guy who can relate to the French-speaking people, but at the same time, he can by wearing an A or even just by speaking to the media at all. It doesn't have to be full Montreal Canadiens mode where they limit their talent pool search because they only hire French-speaking Head coaches, So I think that in that aspect, it's Brady's captaincy to lose. I just think that it's pretty, you know, wrong to have like this backup plan. Hey, if you don't sign long term, then we're going to give it to this guy because it's weird and awkward for Brady to be hearing that. And it's also weird and awkward for Thomas Shabbat if he's the one who ends up getting it.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and that's where you look at a guy like Pierre Dorian would never, never say anything close to that in the media. As we know, he does not negotiate through the media, whereas Melnick is probably trying to use this as a leverage point point, saying, hey, Brady, I'm saying this. And I mean this. So if you want the captaincy, it's here for you if you sign on a dotted line to a long-term fair contract is what he's saying. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. I'm still on the side that I don't think Brady Kachuk and his family and his, his team, his group, whatever you want to call them, will be going for a long-term deal. I think a bridge deal makes sense for a guy like that. So if he signs that bridge deal and isn't awarded the captaincy, uh, that creates a really awkward situation here.
2: Well, what really makes me nervous, and this is because previously it's played out this way in Ottawa, and it's that if he does sign a seven or eight year contract where it's all backloaded and he's making way more money in the back end, then I'm just going to get nervous that once he's owed a certain amount of money, then he's going to be on his way out whether he wants to or not. So I don't think a, a three, four year deal is the worst thing here because we know that the economics of the league has been turned on its head. And we'll see if if that plays a role into it as well because Brady could see this as a flat cap for three years and then how high is it going to jump because it stayed stagnant for so long if revenues get back and we're seeing the revenues already going up with a full house in Carolina last night. like I don't think it's going to take the league three years to recover what they've lost with this year plus of missed opportunity. I'm sure it'll take some, but not all of it. And we could see a major jump after that flat cap, which is guaranteed to stay flat For three years jump so if you're a guy who's only scratching the surface like Brady a three-year contract seems ideal because and you would think from the team standpoint it'd be ideal as well because you have that extra cap to play with once his next contract is up so I'm I'm a little more worried about this all after hearing Eugene Melnick speak I'll tell you that yeah
0: and I think that's one of those scenarios where Sens fans are like it's great to hear the owner speak and get a piece of his mind but at the same time maybe zip it a little you're kind of you're muddying up the waters here that didn't need to happen at all
2: i really don't want to get into the whole arena stuff but we kind of have to he mentions that there's an outside probability that gatineau is where the rink could be i honestly don't care it's a river away and if you know the nfl there's two new york teams they both play in new jersey i don't think that's really ever been an issue brought up anywhere where it does get strange is just he's just ripping on ottawa city council he's he doesn't make any friends wherever he goes. He's throwing daggers at Cyril Leader still. The guy who organized the drive to get him a liver transplant when he was on his deathbed, and he's just ripping him, saying that he signed him up for the Le Breton deal. I don't think that's how major deals work. I'm pretty sure that Eugene Melick himself would have to sign off on that deal. So To me, that's just a bunch of political BS that I don't really want to get into
0: all right, we won't get into the political part of it, but you're an Ottawa guy born and raised. I'm not really like in touch with the city. So I don't, I don't know all the aspects of it. Do you think that would be a really hard thing for Ottawa fans seeing it go across the river into Quebec? Would that really
2: change things or no, not really? Not at all. Like absolutely not. For me, at least the only thing it would do is make it more central because Ottawa's built East West, right? You have Orleans in the East, you have Canada in the West, even further out. Like Apparently, real estate in uh, Armprior and Carlton Place, even out to uh, Almont and Mississippi Mills, is all growing so exponentially that there's there's a side that's saying if that keeps growing the way it is, all the tech is in Canada. That why not keep the rink out in Canada and then it becomes more central as the urban sprawl grows further west. But then you're isolating the people in the eastern part of the city who have to then drive 45 minutes to go. So. At the northern tip of of Ottawa is Parliament Hill. And then there's the bridge over top. So the most central part of Ottawa is as as close to Quebec as you can get. So to build just on the other side, which is hilarious because I think the place that he's looking to build, there's a, a concert venue on the Quebec side. You're basically overlooking Le Breton Flats. It's a complete joke. It's right there. So if that's what it comes to, and some people were mentioning that it's a complete pipe dream. Like Sylvain St. Laurent, who's locked in as ever, guest of this show, covers the sense for Le Droit, was just like laughing at this, that it's even a possibility. So I don't want to get into it. Think about how excited we got for Le Breton Flats and it all fell apart. So, you know what? To, to get my hopes up for absolutely anything, I just want to get back into the CTC. Say what you want about the location, but that building is electric when it's full. And he did make a decent point, though, that it was always too big. Like, they were never going to sell 20,000 tickets in Ottawa to see a sporting event, especially that far away. So if they can get a new building and it's like 17, 18,000, I think that's probably ideal for everybody. Yeah,
0: I, I even think probably less seating Ross with you're seeing with the no crowds here and how good the game broadcasts are becoming like a smaller rink would benefit everyone, I think. And then you don't get the debacle of having to cover up seats and stuff like that. So I think a new arena in Canada is the way to go. Like you said, it's a growing area. And especially if they get an LRT station out there, which uh, again, is probably a bit of a pipe dream. But if that happens, that makes things so much easier. So I think the solution is to stay stay in Canada but it is interesting to see that Melnick did say they need a new arena within the next 5-10 years so this has to happen soon so the the ball's got to get rolling here whether it's going to Gatineau which again I don't think is going to happen I think he more said that as like like you said to diss the city of Ottawa and as like a threat so I don't think that's a real possibility because he's already got the land in Kanata. The arena's already there. Like, it just makes more sense to stay where you are. I'm I'm with you, Ross. They could put the arena anywhere. I just want to see my Ottawa Senators on the ice with a cold beer in hand and cheering for goals.
2: As long as it's still the Ottawa Senators and it's not moved to a different area code, then uh, yeah, by all means. But He did get into a little hockey talk and we already talked about Brady Kachuk's contract, but after Dorian said, Oh, we're going to assess and make the right decisions in the off season after DJ Smith was very tight lipped about what he wants going forward. Eugene Mellon just came out and said it. And I don't think it was much of a surprise, but it was nice to hear that he clarified top line center, right? Because we saw veteran centers come in recently, Artem Anisimov two years ago, Derek Stepan this past year. If he means top line center, which I think they may have thought Derek Stepan was, but that's a story for another day.
0: Who I think they thought
2: he could have been that. Yeah, well, he wasn't, point blank. So maybe that's a a lesson learned for this Senators uh, management group because they saw the results when the team got younger. But I think it is unfair to expect Pinto to be a top six center in the NHL, like he was down the stretch, and he did a good job. But if you can slot him in at number three next year, I think that you're really setting yourself up for a solid top nine that can compete. I would love to keep Norris with Brady and Batherson, but if that can be your one B line and then have Stutzla and Connor Brown as your wingers on your top line, who would be the perfect guy to put in that spot? And we asked that central on Twitter, who would your realistically available options we keyed in. And I don't think Jimmy got the hint, Jimmy Hyde writing in that uh, Nate McKinnon and Kale McCarr would fit in pretty well. Yeah. No shit. In terms of realistic options, whether it's through trade or free agency, we had a lot of great answers before I get to some of them. Pillsy, we'll hold off on yours before we drive on over there. And we'll take Rock Auto if anything's messed up with our car, because Rock Auto is the number one spot. It's a family business when it's serving auto parts, and they've been doing it online for 20 years, way ahead of their time at rock auto go to rockauto.com and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers they have everything from engine control modules brake parts tail lamps motor oil even get your new carpet there whether it's for your classic or daily driver get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door the rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands specifications and prices you prefer best of all Prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Just put Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box. That way, they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you.
0: What's up, guys? Trey Matthews of Locked On Devils here. And let me tell you about Discover Debit Cash Back. Wings for the game? Boom, cash back. New lucky jersey? Boom, cash back. Even a last-minute ice run could score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cash Back Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's a guaranteed win? Discover Cash Back Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one is a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover bank member FDIC.
2: And make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Senators wherever you download your podcast, whether it's on the Odyssey app, Google Play, Spotify, or on Apple Podcasts, you can follow us online as well at Sen Central on Twitter or Locked On Senators on Instagram. All right, Pillsy. So, a defensive defenseman and a veteran top line center, Pillsy, who are on the top of your wish list going into the offseason?
0: Well, first off, I want to start with a disclaimer that I think maybe this off isn't the right time to make that big push for either a number one centerman or a number number one pair defenseman, but. Like, I think this year you want to see what the team has, give the young guys another year of growth, and then see where you're at. But if the right guy comes along, then you can pull the trigger for sure because this team has all the pieces. They just need some veteran boosts in big areas. And, yeah, number one center and a right shot shutdown D are those areas. For the center, you've got a couple of nice options. I'll start with the one I think is most realistic and would make the most sense, Claude Giroux. This is an Ottawa guy. He's got one year left on his deal after this. The Philadelphia Flyers are, I don't know what's going on with that organization. And I don't think they do either. And I don't think they're about to pay a guy big dollars to stay there when they're not ready to compete in their eyes and in the rest of the league's eyes. So that's a team that could use some young, prospects and draft capital most of their picks are just their own they don't have any acquired draft picks so that's a team that could be looking to make a major move and maybe they're ready to move on from the Giroux guard like he's been the captain there for a long time and he's been good there but maybe it's time for a change so Giroux would be my number one center option as for on D you got a couple options in free agency for a right hand shot shutdown defenseman the best two options and again, Dougie Hamilton would be the best option, but he's not a shutdown defenseman and he's not really in our target. So I don't think we'll touch on that right now. I think you're looking at either David Savard or Adam Larson as your guys to go with Thomas Chabot. So there are some options here. I think free agency, you would go defenseman, but a centerman, you're going to have to look at a trade.
2: Yeah, if you are looking free agency for a centerman, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and David Krejci came up a lot in the thread we put out on Twitter and David Krejci, I think very underrated because he plays behind Patrice Bergeron, but he's a hell of a player and especially come playoff time. He is a known playoff performer and they finally got him a winger in Taylor Hall this year. And boom, what do you know? He's putting up points left, right and center. So I think that I do like David Krejci more than Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I know he's older, but I also have so much faith in the young centerman that the Sens have. I think you just need a, a buffer. So Claude Giroux is perfect. Now what would the price be to acquire him? You're, you're letting Philly off the hook here of, of over $8 million in cap for next year. Now, the salary is where it gets even more interesting and if you're Ottawa, more appealing. He's due for a $1 million signing bonus and then he's only making $4 million in real money. So you have half of the cap hit in what you'd actually have to pay him next year. So that makes him more valuable to Ottawa and if you're Chuck Fletcher, you know that and you try to fleece him with that. Hey, remember. And we're big Ridley Gregg guys. We think that he could be great in Ottawa. Remember, his dad's a pro scout with the Philadelphia Flyers, and he told us on this podcast that growing up, his family bleeds orange. So I don't know if that's a player that they'd be looking to acquire from Ottawa. If that was the centerpiece of a deal. for Remember, only one year of Claude Drew. You could extend him after, but that doesn't play into the value. We saw that with Mark Stone, right? You're getting him as a one-year player. Is it worth mortgaging a guy like Ridley Greg? And Maybe an extra piece on top of that.
0: I think for sure it's going to take an extra piece. Really, Greg for Drew straight up wouldn't happen. So he would be the centerpiece of the deal. I think it can make a lot of sense, Ross, because you look at the Flyers roster and they've got Kevin Hayes. They've got Couturier. Like they have their top six centermen already, but they might need a younger guy to come in and fill that void as a third line center. I mean, Nolan Patrick is there it's kind of unclear what his projection is these days. He's had some injury problems, unfortunately, but Ridley Greg is a guy that would fit in there perfectly and could come up and be ready for when this team's done reloading and ready to contend again, because they're certainly not ready to contend next year after the season they had. So I think there could be a trade where Ridley Greg is the centerpiece and maybe get some draft capital or another prospect in there to help move the deal along.
2: Oh, he just fit in so perfectly. I already mentioned where I'd put him between Stutzla and Connor Brown. And that's just a do-it-all line. And where Ottawa struggled most this year was in the face-off circle. And you bring in a guy with Claude Giroux, who's in a career fifty-five and a half percent, has never been below fifty-five percent since he was twenty-seven. So the last seven years, he's a guy who snaps him back as good as anyone in the National Hockey League, and that just creates extra possession for your team. So he would be a top of my wish list. We've got a full offseason, only five months until next season, but about a month and a half until we get in to what is really going to be right in front of us in free agency. Deals can get signed by now. Trades can happen. But we're going to have a show in the next couple of weeks where we just look at off season targets, and especially now that Eugene Melnick has been very transparent with the fact the team is looking for a reliable defensive defenseman. We'd imagine a right shot. You, you have to got to be. Because you have on the left side, Shabbat, Branstrom, Mete, right? You don't need to add to that. You need some more depth on the right side behind Zub. And then, I mean, they love Zaitsev, and we're pretty neutral on Zaitsev. We're not as much haters as, as many are. But if he can be on that third pair, that's ideal. So, therefore, you're looking to bring in a top four right shot defenseman and a veteran top line center. So, we'll look at that as time goes on. But it's time to get back to something we haven't done in a little while. Our Sense Central citizen. Pelzi it was great, went all the way out to Edmonton for this one.
0: Yeah, and it's funny to see a Sens fan in Edmonton after Edmonton won nine. <laughs> All nine games against the Sens, and he gets into it. Uh, his buddies in Edmonton gave him a hard time. So, hopefully, when the Sens uh, fix themselves up this offseason and come back ready to go, that uh, if, if the Sens do play the Oilers much, I guess if it's an Atlantic division again, they won't play them as much. But hopefully, for our buddy Dylan, the Sens can beat up on the Oilers so he can uh, retaliate some of those chirps.
2: Before we get to our Sens Central Citizen, let's tell you about our friends at Bet Online. Now, Bet Online is the number one sportsbook home for. The Locked On Podcast Network. We've got a great relationship with them, and they love us so much. They're giving us one of the best welcome bonuses in the entire industry. 50% on your first deposit. That means if you put in $200, bingo, bango, bongo, you don't even have to touch anything else. There'll be $100 waiting for you in your account. You put in $100, there will be $50 right there. You get what I'm saying, but it's free play money. Of course it is. You have to bet it to win it to earn it, and that's where Pilsy's Playoff Parlay of the Day comes in. He was... Oh so close last night, just one goal away.
0: I feel like we're getting back to classic Pillsy's parlay of the day, just one goal away. And yeah, I almost had the over on the Jets Oilers game. They couldn't get it done. The one maybe four empty net goals for the Jets would have helped there, but uh didn't happen. So, let's keep things rolling here. We're going to go to another Canadian Series Montreal Canadiens and Toronto Maple Leafs. This is This is the one Sens fans love to hate and hate to love. I think it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. But I don't know who's going to win game one here. So I'm taking the over once again at five and a half. I think there's going to be a lot of goals scored. That's the first part of the parlay. Then we head to the late game. Vegas Golden Knights up against the Minnesota Wild. I said it before. The Minnesota Wild have really surprised me how good they are. But... Vegas is just too much for them to handle. And with Vegas Moneyline odds at minus 110, I'm jumping all over that. So I'm taking Vegas Moneyline. And the third part of our parlay, it's the final game for the Belleville Senators and just like they followed their big brother to start the season with a, a slow start, they're going to finish the season with a hot start up against the Toronto team. I'm taking Belleville money line all day long here at +118. They're going to beat the Marlies to extend their winning streak even further. So, in conclusion, guys, we're taking the over in Leafs Habs, we're taking Vegas money line, we're taking Belleville money line. Put ten bucks in, and that's going to win seventy fifty one. So I'm oh. going to make up for those losses, guys. So that is pills. These playoff parlay of the day.
2: We'll have a recap of yesterday's Belleville game preview tonight later in the show. But here's how you get your welcome bonus at Bet Online. Go to BetOnline.ag. Put in the promo code Locked On when you make your first deposit, and it'll just be automatically added. To your account so don't sit on the sidelines get into the action and don't forget the promo code locked on to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit it's bet online your online sports book expert Gil martin here host of the locked on nhl podcast join me every monday for the three biggest stories from across the nhl including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league check out the locked on nhl podcast every monday available on youtube and wherever you get your podcasts all right, here he is, our Send Central citizen, it's Dylan Call. All right, we're now pleased to be welcomed by this week's Send Central citizen. It's Dylan Call. You can follow him on Twitter. I'm not even going to try to do this, but it's his name's backward, Dylan backwards, then Call backwards. Dylan, welcome to the show, and way to put me in a mental pretzel right off the bat.
1: <laughs> no problem, man. I'm glad to be on here.
2: Oh, for sure. So you're a Sens fan. You're from Ontario. Give us the background where you grew up and how you initially became an Ottawa Senators fan.
1: Ah, uh, so I grew up in uh, Douglas, which is uh, probably a village that most of the listener, Chip, has never heard of. But uh, I grew up about an hour and a bit outside of Ottawa. And um, growing up, like my dad was a really big Habs fan, so he tried to you know steer me that way, and I wanted nothing to do with it because once I got to that age where I could start being like, hey, this is my favorite team. Ottawa was really good and Montreal wasn't. So uh, that's how I basically became a Sens fan was just they got really good right at the right time when I was getting in, into it and uh, been pretty okay ever since.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So what uh, what time period are we talking here that you ended up being a Sens fan? I mean, uh, for them to be good and the Habs to be bad, that's always a great time. But uh, what era are we looking at?
1: Uh, so it was probably like... I'm going to guess, like, the early 2000s at some point. Um, I remember, like, Marion Hosa was a really big part of the team. So it was probably, like, somewhere between 2000 to 2003 was when I really started to get into them. Um, and, uh, like, I have no idea what the actual timeline is. It's just kind of like, yeah, I've been a sense fan forever.
2: So you mentioned Mary and Hosa. Who are some of the other players that you initially were drawn to when you started following the team? So,
1: um... I know Martin Havlat. I was a really big fan of his. I think he was in around the same time. And then, uh, gosh, who else? I mean, Chris Neal, it was always so much fun watching him, especially against the least of the Habs, just banging everybody up. Uh, There was, I mean, there was not too many specific people, but those are probably the big three were Osa and then Havlat and Neal were probably my big three. And then obviously Alfie and guys like that were obviously huge, but it's, kind of been not too many specific players for
0: me yeah we'll 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 stick in the happier days those good old days and with all the classic sends you just mentioned and hey they were in the playoffs a lot when those days were around and we're in playoff hockey now but unfortunately our sends are not there when they were in the playoffs what was your favorite series for me i always say it was the 2017 series against the bruins just so many storylines how about you
1: yeah that was a good series um I actually really liked the whole Clark MacArthur thing there too. That the was really cool. Him coming back and scored the series winner. And that was a really awesome story uh, for me. I think it was when we beat Buffalo in 07. That was like, we had a really good rivalry with them back in the day and seeing us finally get over that hump and beat them in the conference final. Oh, it was awesome.
2: Both those teams rebuilding right now, who gets, fir- who gets to a cup final first, Ottawa or Buffalo? Oh,
1: obviously Ottawa.
2: Yeah. You know, who's listening. yeah buffalo's a mess they're nowhere near are they ever hey if if the opportunity presented itself would you sell the farm for a guy like jack eichel you know i was thinking about this
1: i don't know if i would um i mean i think it's something i'd probably kick tires on but like i just i feel like buffalo would want way too much i mean they got embarrassed by that taylor hall trade that was just ridiculous and uh i would imagine whoever's gonna try and get eichel out of them they're gonna want a lot for him so I I mean, I guess you could go after him, but uh, I don't know if we're at that point in the rebuild yet. And uh, so I probably personally wouldn't, but I wouldn't hate it if they did.
0: Yeah. I don't think he's the right guy. And I mean, there's a lot more to just the player. I think he's in a frustrated situation and I don't know if this team needs that kind of energy right now, especially with the culture we got going on. So that's a guy I would steer clear with. Just like you said, the price is going to be so high. So in this off season, are there any other guys that you have targeted where you're like, look, either we can sign this guy as a free agent, or we can make a pretty good deal to bring him on our roster.
1: Um, I mean, i kind of don't think we need to do a whole lot honestly I think uh maybe go after like a top four right shot defenseman to play with Shabbat until you know Jacob Bernard Docker is ready to do that but I mean outside of that I don't really know if we need to really tool anything on this roster like the way that they played the back half of the season uh, I think we're in a pretty good spot in that regards and I think doing anything to upset the ship would uh, not be a good move for us so I kind of hope they don't do anything.
2: Yeah, it's kind of less is more mentality, especially how they ended the season 10-3-1 after the trade deadline. And a lot of players stepped up. Who caught your eye the most down the stretch in that run? I mean, gosh, there's quite a few of them. Uh, I mean, Brady Kachuk, obviously,
1: you always loves seeing him do what he does. Um, Josh Norris, I thought, played really well down the stretch. Drake, I mean, there's there's a few guys. Um, I really liked the way Shane Pinto came in and played. I thought him coming out of college – and stepping right into the lineup, I thought he was fantastic. And uh, Jacob Bernard Docker looked really good in the games they were able to get him into after Josh Brown got injured. So there was those were probably my big ones.
0: Yeah, it was great to see JBD get in for a couple of games and he'll be at the, the world's champions in Latvia. So we'll get to see more of him, which is even even more uh, exciting to see for Sens fans with our team out of the playoffs here. But I want to ask you last question for me, Dylan, is out of the prospects, you named a bunch of guys uh, who did well in the NHL. Who's a prospect not in the NHL yet that you're really excited? It could be goalie, forward, defense, whatever.
1: Robbie Yarventi, Rock and Robbie. I'm gonna go with him. Nice. Um, came over to North America. He had a rough season uh, back in Finland, but I think it's uh, fair to say that he's starting to get the confidence up. And uh, I mean, kid's got a hell of a shot, and uh, it's gonna be really awesome to see where he goes from here.
2: Hundred percent. I'm I'm really excited to see Robbie do his thing at the NHL level one day. Final question for me, Dylan. We really appreciate you being a Sens Central citizen. What's it like being a Sens fan out in Alberta? A lot of guys giving you a Trouble with how much McDavid and Drysaddle <laughs> lit them up this year? Oh, my God. Every single
1: person that knows
2: me, that
1: knows I'm a Sens fan, they all – and they're all Oilers fans out here. Um, it's not like Ottawa where you get Habs and Leafs fans everywhere, but uh, so they're all Oilers fans, and they all love McDavid. They all love Dreisaitl, and they love chirping me. It's just like every time, like, oh, nice game last night. They got blown out again, eh? Like, yeah, okay, I get it. We're in a rebuild.
2: Well, they've got a good chance here coming up against Winnipeg, and we're sure you're going to be locked into that whole series as will we. Dylan, really appreciate you jumping on with us. We're excited to do this again down the road. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me on, guys. And uh, for sure, we'll definitely have to do this again sometime. Stick taps to Dylan for joining us. Really appreciate it, and we look forward to having many more Send Central citizens join us on the show. You can hit us up in our DMs as well at Send Central. If you want to be featured, we'd be more than happy to get you on. The show. But Pillsy, the Belleville Senators are still in action. A nice way to wane us off of Senators hockey. And they came through clutch last night, despite this game got a little closer than I think it had to be.
0: Yeah, especially after Belleville got off to a 4 nothing start, and uh, the Marlies managed to make their way back, but too little too late, and this was an exciting game. I think there was a, the problem with Belleville is there's so many injuries to end the season, and it's a lot of guys we want to see. I said I was excited to see Jarventi finish off the season. Well, he's on the IR. Ridley Gregg, another guy we want to see on the IR. Logan Brown, the enigma he is, well, guess what? He is also injured. No, No shock to anyone, I don't think, but... The guys who needed to step up and were still interested here, they stepped up. Igor Sokolov, like that two-on-one, I love to see that. There wasn't a thought in his mind to think past. Like that might as well have been just Igor versus the goalie. Everyone else on the ice is just irrelevant to him. He heads in and just rips one past Wall, and that's the end of Wall's night. And you love to see Igor Sokolov get it done. He had a goal and an assist. And our guy, Angus Cruikshank, continues to have success in the AHL he also had a goal and an assist Ross
2: and this just creates so much excitement for next year's Belleville team because a lot of these guys are going to be back and Lassie Thompson had a good game last night playing alongside Hubert Labrie and if these kids can take their game to the next level then you're looking at a situation where Belleville might be able to contend again next year just like they were before COVID shut everything down but we can't bury the lead Pilsey. this was not Mad Sogard's best game but the Great Dane is now 7-0 and in North American pro hockey. It's incredible.
0: Like, we knew Mad Sogard was going to be good. Like, he's a high draft pick for a goalie in the second round. They traded up to get him. That always shows you that there's high interest in him. And he's got a big frame, and he has the pedigree of a really good goalie. I just, I would be lying to you if I would have said that I th- thought he would go seven and oh in his first seven games like that is just absolutely wild especially on a Belleville team that was struggling before he got here so the great Dane is here and he is here to stay I can't wait to see what he has in store for next season and yeah like you said I honestly think if this team gets all those star young guys back and Mad Sogard is the starting goaltender next season there's no reason why they can't find
2: themselves in a playoff spot Oh, completely agree. But first, they have to finish strong tonight or this afternoon, I should say. It's a 4 p.m. Eastern time start. So put that on the calendar. AHL TV has you covered. We're not sure who starts in goal. Matt Sogard would love to get an opportunity. He said to the media, but Kevin Mandelaze has had a great year too, and it would be great to see him in goal as well. But what Belleville can do is extend their now franchise record win streak to nine games. They've won eight in a row. It's truly incredible. It's too bad there's no playoffs, right, Pilsy, because they're peaking at the right time. And, man, it would have been sweet to see them make a run.
0: Yeah, it really is too bad because I think that would have – it wouldn't have made up for last year's uh, lack of playoffs because last year they were loaded and ready to go. One of the best teams in the entire league and you and I were both working there and it would have been great to be at some Belleville home games, but that's the way it goes. So if they would have had playoffs this year, that would have made up for it a little bit. But, you know, you take what you can get and like the Ottawa Senators, you build into next season and I think Belleville's going to be so exciting to watch.
2: Yeah, no question about that. All right, We've, uh, we haven't touched much on playoffs but had lots of Senators news, so we'll save our playoff talk. We'll check in on our sends Abroad. I'm going to have an updated scoring leaders list uh, tomorrow. You can check that out at Sense Central. We'll have that on our show. We also have a former Ottawa Senator. Should we tease it or save it, Pilsey? Let's save it. Keep it saved. All right. Okay. Well, stay tuned for tomorrow for that. And let's finish off with a tankathon spin. It's our first official tankathon spin. The sirens are out. You might be able to hear us. I'm in the heart of enemy territory. But we know that the Sens have the 10th best odds right now. Pilsy, lead us off. We're going to do one spin at the end of every show. And we're going to keep track here at what we get leading up to June 2nd. All
0: right. Here we go. The
2: first official. 2021
0: NHL Draft Lottery Simulator done by the Locked On Senators Podcast. Here we go. Okay, whoa, this is interesting. So the Ottawa Senators will be picking 11th overall. Ross, the lottery balls were crazy in this one. Vancouver Canucks move up eight spots to select first overall. And the Dallas Stars move up 13 spots to select second overall. So like this is just one spin, but this just goes to show you the small percentages can come into play and things can get absolutely crazy. Like imagine Dallas gets another high draft pick after a high skin in a few years ago.
2: Woo. Well, not only that, if the Vancouver Canucks had beaten Calgary yesterday, that would have been Ottawa moving up. So that's tough as I spin away my lottery simulator here. You can go to tankathon.com slash NHL. I got Ottawa staying right where they are at 10th. I got New Jersey in first. Again, that would be their third first overall pick in the last five years. Then the new age Edmonton and then Detroit, who I think is well-deserving of a top two pick. So I wouldn't hate to see them jump up after they got hosed last year going from one to four after putting on maybe the worst season in NHL history so the send stay in 10th for me 11th for you we'll do it again tomorrow thanks for listening to today's show for Brandon Piller I'm Ross Levitan this has been the Locked On Senators podcast your team every day